Welcome to the Blue Dot Podcast. Please join us as we discuss what's happening in Harrison County, Indiana. Hey, Harrison County, I'm Elmer Ramos. And I'm Graylin Porter, and you're listening to the Blue Dot Podcast. Hello, Harrison County, and welcome to episode 30 of the Blue Dot. How's it going, Graylin? I'm doing well. I'm it's going okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's one of those, it's one of those weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um yeah. We have a Democrat fundraiser next weekend. So, you know, things are a little busy right now. But other than that, I'm okay. That's good. That, yeah. I'm excited for that fundraiser. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's it by the time this comes out, it will have already happened. So cool. There you go. Well. Well, on today's episode, we're going to have uh, three guests. Um, three the guests. First two, the first two, we're going to be discussing township and trustees, and we're going to be talking with Nate and Glenn. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna They've talk been on a the pod about, before. Yep. And we're mm-hmm. going to talk a little bit about the skate park, which we went to that meeting recently, and, and a lot of good mm-hmm. things to say about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our special guest today is going to be Scott Dickinson, and he is the full owner of 1816 Restaurant Downtown mm-hmm. Gordon. And uh, you know, we're going to just check I'm in really with him. Really excited to talk to him. Yeah, how life in Gordon and owning a restaurant, it's like. What? Have we had a, um, a restaurant person before? No, I and I actually, I was thinking about this earlier today because I've listened to countless i mean it's got to be close to 100 podcast episode interviews with chefs because i listen to all these food podcasts Mm -hmm. so i was like wow this is going to be so fun kind of surreal to be doing one myself yeah i think it's going to be exciting and especially because it's someone local and all that Mm -hmm. and i mean who doesn't love 1816 exactly you know the broccoli the fried broccoli oh the fried broccoli is a game changer (laughs) love it it's it's one of the best things I've ever tasted. Uh, yeah, I, I was mm-hmm. uh, a little concerned the first time I heard of it, but I know it it's is, like it's I so don't know it. about that. And then you order it, and it's it's I want, total. I want more. You always want more. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, well, let's right. get into it. Okay. joined by Nate Adams and Glenn Ayers. They are returning to us. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. And um, we're going to be talking about the uh, recent skate park uh, public hearing. And I don't know if it was a public hearing, but it was a... Elmer, what would you call it? We couldn't quite make See, I had what kind of meeting it was. Yeah. With understanding the purpose of the meeting, I, I was glad it happened, but I think it was more of a discussion, town discussion. Yes. Maybe. And, or like, because I didn't seem like no one was asking permission. It was more like, a, you know, like the reveal. It was the reveal right. of the plan. And we talked, I, I guess it was giving people an option to to say like if they were against it, but, you know, we didn't really have that. A lot of the people there were just in support of it, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really um, thrilled when she, so the representative from Hunger Skate Parks is the company who designed the park, got up and said, well, it's a done deal. You're getting a skate park. 
And I thought that was like, wow, okay, I guess this is happening. And then they went through the design. Um, and then, you know, members of the public were able to stand up and say what they thought of the design and why they think this is a good thing for our community. And then we, there was one person who was not so happy about it in general and asked a couple of questions. Um, but Glenn was there. Glenn, what did you think of it? Well, I think it was an amazing event. It was very refreshing to see 90% of the people there in support of it. Mm -hmm, Even yeah. some people that I thought would, that would be opposing to it. it seemed like at the beginning of the meeting, they seemed like they had the uh, angry, we don't want this here face. And towards the end of the, the meeting, they seemed very, very supportive of it. It was very, uh, and even the one guy who was against it, the commentary of the young gentleman, I don't know who the young gentleman was, but his, his statement about it being beneficial for the community more than the financial mm -hmm. gain was an amazing statement to me. That's, that's my purpose of it. It was good to see people thinking about the future and not themselves. Yeah. yeah I, I was so glad that, that um, Christy, who led the presentation, when she addressed his, his question was, how does this benefit the community economically? She said, well, it's not really about that. Yeah. You know, that's not the purpose of it. And I just think that's such a great answer. Um, instead of getting in the weeds on how it'll bring people here and it will create this much revenue and all that, yeah. just saying, well, that's not the point of a park. And I'm curious, do we have the same conversation when we put a kid's playground at Haystwood? How does it impact the economy around the area? Like, I think she it, made that statement too. I think yeah, she made that exact silly. Statement. It's a park. Yeah. It creates community. It, it, it brings people together. That's uh, like, why do we, why does everything have to be uh, like benefiting the economy around here? Um, sometimes <laughs> we just need a place to go and, and skate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We talked, and we talked a lot about that in one of our former episode episodes with uh, Jim Hayes. Um, yes. When he told us about the history of Hayeswood and how they donated the land. And um, you know, this is something that'll be here for generations and you know, who knows how many people will benefit um, yeah. in the long run. And like, yeah. Like he said, I, and you know, I, I, I love that quote, the, like it benefits the, it, it enriches the quality of life in Harrison County. Like, One thing like, that I was absolutely shocked by and, and Glenn, you have teenagers. So you might know more about this than I do is the fingerboarding part. <laughs> <laughs> when, when they brought that up, I actually text my son. I was like, are you into this? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, awesome. my mind was blown. I, I was aware of it as a thing, sort of, but, but then there was somebody there from Louisville who said, you know, this would be an incredible thing because apparently this, the skate park design has a fingerboard skate park in it, which is basically a miniature skateboard park uh, to use with fingerboards. Yeah. Funny story about that. Uh, we was actually driving through downtown one day and there were some kids on the side of the library and it looks like there was vandalism. So us being silly, we drive around and it mm -hmm. was actually fingerboarding on the side of the library. <laughs> so I was like, I oh, mean, okay, that's, that's really <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm too old. I, I don't have to understand it, but I support it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I'm kind of the same way. Anything that brings people together, having a good time, Letting kids the opportunity to get to get that to me, that's a great cost. Yeah. Great yeah. And so this guy from Louisville, he said, you know, I, I'm going to come out here often if you guys have one of these, because there isn't one in Louisville. And uh, it'll be, you know, kind of special if we have this fingerboard park. 
And didn't they say that was going to be like, like, I think the, the other one is in Indianapolis, uh-huh. the other finger skateboarder. Yeah, that's so, you know, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to be like a tourist attraction. The only you know, finger skate park I in, love it. in the, or the second skate yeah. park in the area. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they give this big presentation, say we're going to get a skate park and it's all great. And then they say, you know, but the funding is, we don't have the fundraising piece done yet. And so that was a bit of a, oh, no. Um, and uh, then, you know, Lisa Long, who's the head of the chamber and very supportive of the project, asked, well, what's the budget for construction? And they said about 300000 which I thought was very uh, cheap compared to what I thought it was going to cost. Really? Uh, 300000 um, sounds like a lot to me, but, <laughs> but that's um, just me. <laughs> as far as a project like this, I was assuming way higher is what this would cost. Really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, if you think about what it costs to like build a house these days yeah. and like how big this property is that they're developing down there, I mean, I'm sure they're not paying for the land itself, but you know, building is the principal cost of any of that stuff. Yeah. So. The town is giving the, the land is giving the site. So it's um, 8,000 square feet is the, the, you know, the footprint of the park. Um, and she said that there's a grant that they think is a pretty good chance they'll get a grant that's a 50,000 with a match. So that's a third of the cost. And then of course there's money in, in the community with, with the foundation and, and things like that. Um, but it is going to be privately funded. So that's another thing that if you hear anybody out there, or you think that, you know, this might be utilizing tax dollars, it's not going to be utilizing uh, taxpayer money to build this park. I don't think as far as I can tell. Yeah, and we do have a clip. Uh, we talked to uh, Sam and Gary, and what, I asked them the same question: like, what was the plan for funding and the next steps? Uh, what's the next move? It's like, well, how, well, where do we go from here? We're kind of really excited about the fundraising process of it. It's going to be a challenge for us, but we think it's going to turn out really well. We, we keep going back to it. We're persistent as could be, and that's been brought on by skateboarding. Okay, my perseverance, everything is through skateboarding kids too. And the fact of the matter is, we really needed to get these renderings and these blue, you know, blueprints, all this stuff out before even thinking about fundraising. Because when you give people a visual or an idea of what they're putting the money towards. Let's be honest, you're going to get more from or you're going to at least get their donation, most likely compared to not showing them anything and saying, hey, I got a skate park going. You want to donate your money to our account? (laughs) You know, and and to talk about the skate park a little bit, when we first started coming up with an idea for it, we wanted to get something designed that was beginner friendly, that anybody starting out can come up here, you know, like experts can come here and shred it, but beginner people can come up and enjoy it just as much as experts can. So we wanted a good, like, Mm -hmm. in between that everybody's going to enjoy. It doesn't matter what their expertise levels is. I keep saying that this is going to bring a whole different vibe to the community. It's going to it's going to connect people that you never thought were going to be connecting. Right. Um, as for uh, fundraising, like, do you guys have any ideas on, on how you're going to approach that? I can say that we're one of the very bare minimalistic ideas is we're going to be knocking doors down. You know, we're going to be. <laughs> okay. And that that's one thing. There's like uh, there's a lot of grants that we're going to achieve, and that has to do with uh, you know there's uh, like a patronicity grant like you heard tonight and that's basically you'll you can raise up to 50,000 and they'll match up to 50,000 so we're gonna you know sought those out as much as possible it don't sound so unrealistic if you think about it 300 people donate a thousand dollars yeah you know it adds up really quick exactly exactly that's perfect well thank you guys no problem Thank thank you 
one one thing that, that Nate and I like to talk about is the Harrison Township Advisory Board, you know, like like you do. I mean, like, yeah, like everyone does that, <laughs> like the cool kids do. They sit around and talk about Township Advisory Board, um, <laughs> but uh, they t- they have a lot of money. How much do they have? I can't remember. Um, I'm pretty sure they're over one and a quarter million right now, just hanging out in the bank. Yeah, which is not they're not supposed to have that much. They're supposed to have a lot less than that. Yeah, they're only supposed to keep like double their annual budget, I think. Right. And, and so, yeah, that is well in excess of that. Yeah. So Harrison Township is, um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about Harrison Township, Nate? And it's not the town of Corydon. So it's not the town no. council. It's not the county council. It is its no. own thing. Wait, there's another Correct. one? <laughs> yes, there's another one. The Harrison Township Advisory Board, which is led by the trustee, Mark Strange. Correct. Okay. All right. So the whole township and trustee system like dates back like a long time historically. A lot of this stuff was set up um, with the Northwest ordinances that established, you know, the Northwest Territory and then later the territory of Indiana before we were a state and everything. And it, it was a kind of local civic level government for people to to do things as a community for each other. Um, it was They had to establish schools in the townships and whatnot. And then they do a lot of other stuff as well. Like historically they did fire departments and a lot of emergency services, including relief for the poor through the, the trustee and township system. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's okay. kind of what they do. They, yeah. they do a lot of different stuff, parks and, mm-hmm. And and just Whatever. recently, yeah. And so, you know, my first thought sitting there, so I was sitting in the front row during the meeting and Mark Strange was sitting directly behind me. Um, I talked to him when we sat down because I was with my dad and of course they know my dad and and um, Charlie Eckert was there too. And so the, the township uh, trustee or the trustee was right behind me and I just was thinking, gosh, this, they've got a lot of money that needs to be used for something. This seems like a natural yeah. uh, um, connection here. But so I'm just, if there's anyone out there listening, hey, putting a bug in your ear right now, maybe the, the township uh, can pay for it. But um, also, you know, I, you said something. So a couple of meetings back at their meeting, they discussed this bathroom they're putting in at the farmer's market. And they had, you know, a few minutes of discussion about how, it needs to be locked at night and that they're worried about the homeless population of downtown Corridon utilizing this bathroom. And what do you think of that, Nate, given the mission or the, the purpose, I should say, of the township advisory board? Oh my God, this goes right through me. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it makes me, it makes me so angry that, um, the advice, the, the advisory board and the, and the trustee are sitting around going like, Oh my God, like how do we handle the homeless population of, of Harrison township when it is literally their, their job. job to care for the poor of Harrison township? Yeah. And if anyone needs anything uh, spelled out for them, you know, I have it here in our notes. This is from Indiana code and it says section two oversight and care the township trustee as administrator of township assistance and each township is responsible for the oversight and care of all poor individuals in the township. 
I mean, it doesn't get yeah. any more blatant than that. So the fact that they're their main concern with this new bathroom they're um, putting in at the farmer's market is how they're going to keep the homeless out of it. And there was no attention to, wow, you know, why do we have a growing number of homeless people in downtown Corydon? So someone said in the meeting, we're getting yeah. more homeless in Corydon. There was no like, maybe why? Is that true? Like, or what to do? What should about we do about it? it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, not doing a great job of distributing their township assistance. Like they, they had budgeted um, uh, last year, like almost 50,000 for township assistance. And about 15 of that, a little over 15 of that went unspent. Um, so it's just not getting out to the people that need it. Um, Perhaps as a result of that, they actually lowered the budget for township assistance, uh, almost 10,000 wow. for this next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if, if, if someone like um, the, the individual who did speak up at the skate park meeting and, and was not in support of it, you know, had a, had a complaint such as like maybe the money should be used for something else, I that makes sense. But we don't know where the money's coming from. So, you know. I don't know if paying for a skate park is actually, you know, fulfilling the purpose of a township trustee, right? Well, right now their plans are to do the bathroom and they're also going to do a like emergency training center for all the fire departments in the county and the sheriff department Buildings. to have like a training facility on township property out um, kind of yeah. on Fairview Church Road. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If there's a way for um, elected officials to spend money on buildings in this county, they will do it. Oh, yeah. They love that. They get to <laughs> they put their name buildings. on it, maybe get a little plaque or something. Buildings and roads. Buildings I mean, and roads. Yeah. Buildings and roads. Always, always. Um, so the other, I guess, going back to the funding, like the funding for, we don't know where the money is going to be coming from for this skate park. Um, but the other thing that kind of bothers me is that why do we have to choose one over the other? Why mm -hmm. can't we do something about the homeless and help them in some way? And why can't we have the skate park also? Like there, it's not like we have to pick one or the other. Like mm -hmm. there's plenty of money in this County to, to take care of our poor population and have a skate park for the kids. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I think the problem is that people are just not choosing to take care of the poor and homeless. Yes. I mean, Throughout the whole yeah. county, there was um, $98,000 budgeted for township assistance that went unspent last year. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, that's a sizable chunk of change that was supposed to help the poor, but didn't actually get to the poor. Mm -hmm. Right. So we, uh, we can leave some contact information for the township advisory board if anyone is um, interested. I think it's another one of those things that most people just don't know it exists. They don't know why it exists. And if they did and realized that it's not that they're spending a ton of money on the wrong things, they're just not spending anything. Like the money's just sitting in the bank account, getting bigger yeah. and bigger. And, yeah. um, and so I think that if more people knew that they would probably try to do something about it. Yep. I agree. <laughs> um, okay. Well, thanks, Nate. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah. No problem. We'll have you on again soon, I'm sure. No problem. Sounds good. 
You know, the cool kids. <laughs> I could talk forever about That's where they are. Gym. That's what they care about. All right. Bye, guys. Yeah. <laughs> bye. All right, so now we have Scott Dickinson, the uh, chef and full owner of 1816. How's it going, Scott? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty excited to have you on. Yes. Um, we're, awesome. we're, you know, we're, you are our first uh, chef, that, you know, a local chef that we have <laughs> on the podcast. So I'm excited to talk to you. This is my first time doing it, too. So Yeah, well, I was telling Elmer before you came on that I listened to like a million food podcasts and I've read a million chef memoirs and um, I've listened to so many like interviews with chefs and it just feels very odd <laughs> to be on the other side oh, yeah. here doing it so yeah um but we've wanted to have you on for a long time um i am just so i don't know inspired by what you're doing and grateful for oh, what I you're doing <laughs> yeah um because uh, i grew up here and um i grew up going to jocko's we walked down to jocko's for dinner at least two nights a, a week when i was a kid and um, then I moved away for a lot of years and lived in Austin, Texas, and Asheville, North Carolina, and ate a lot of good food at a lot of good restaurants. And when I moved back, that was always just my number one complaint about our town was that it didn't have a cool restaurant. And then, you know, hey, my, prayer <laughs> yeah, my prayers were answered <laughs> in 2019. <laughs> and um, it was just, it's been so wonderful having the restaurant there. Well, I appreciate that. Um, so can you tell us a little bit of how you got started? Uh, so when it actually, not the best story, but I was, uh, I was a really troubled uh, youth. I had a lot of bad things happen at a very young age and I kind of uh, fought against the system going through school. Uh, and so I wasn't very successful at school. So my mom told me, if you're not going to go there, you need to get a job. And yeah. uh, uh, she got me a job at a, at a restaurant as a busboy when I was like 15, 14. And uh, I fell in love with the business. But uh, at first, I didn't even cook. But I started cooking. And I fell in love with it. Um, I still d didn't really like it wasn't like my true passion until my first daughter was born, Tessa. And mm -hmm. that's when I was like, okay, like I gotta make a career out of this. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good at it. I know I'm talented at it, but I've, I've never really applied myself, uh, and, and soaked up as much knowledge as I could. So I, you know, I started reading books and, and experimenting with different foods. Um, I got a job. I worked at one restaurant for eight years and got a lot of experience there, but, uh, I would say my true cooking knowledge came from uh, a place called Freemason Abbey mm -hmm. where, uh, I could do wild game, uh, there are different mm. kind of meats and they really let me broaden my experience with different proteins and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'd say that's where my true passion came from was when I worked there. Yeah. And you're from Virginia originally. Yep. Norfolk, Virginia. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I've seen that, um, like on the menu, the specials will be, you know, some kind of wild proteins. And I just think that's very cool. I, I, I'm always up for trying something new like that. I think that's a lot of fun. Did this cooking, uh, game, uh, is it different? Is it, is it a little different from just your regular, like 
chicken and beef and all that stuff? Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely different. Um, you know, I, uh, I try to, uh, do as many different, um, proteins as possible. I'm trying to do a little bit more vegan things. I know that, uh, mm-hmm. there's a broad market for that and I really care and love of uh, vegetables. And I think that a lot of people don't utilize them. Right. I grew up with canned food my whole life. So like mm-hmm. I always thought vegetables were gross and, <laughs> and disgusting and, and, you know, until I actually had them fresh and, and done right. Then I was like, okay, this, there's a lot here. This is really good stuff, you know? Yeah. And you sort, do you source a lot of your, your food locally? I try to do as much as I can. That's one thing that I, I dislike about uh, the farmer's market and Harrison County. Sometimes this is not a source I can get it from every single day. And I mean, I, I talk to a lot of the farmers, but the thing is I have to contact those farmers. I have to vet out their pricing, vet Mm -hmm. out their produce. And it's, it's just more and more and more and more and more work for me on my side, instead of it being beneficial for the, you know, it's going to be beneficial for them and it is beneficial for me. But at the same time, I would, I feel like it'd be a lot easier if there was always like every single morning, there was a farmer's market open for me to just go browse Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and get stuff and almost year round. I mean, yeah. produce grows there's produce that grows year round but then all of a sudden winter and fall come around and everything gets shut down in Harrison County which I don't understand yeah I yeah and it's it's so frustrating because we live in just such a you know it's not like the food isn't out there I mean people, yeah, yeah, the exactly. people are farming all over and they're just it it's not the way things have been done in the past 30 plus years so they're not willing to kind of um think outside the box. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it I, is- do, I do have a guy uh, with gypsy rain. He's, he's looking to do something and I mm-hmm. really hope he's, he, this, he's able to do this, but he wants to, he lives down towards uh, new Salisbury and he wants to open on his property, which is right off the highway. Um, a, a little spot that you, you can constantly go to and he's going to grow year round. So I'm excited for that. That's and very I hope cool. that, that, that comes true. Uh, I'm definitely a big supporter of him. His name's mm-hmm. Tad, uh, great mm-hmm. guy. Uh, yeah. So fingers crossed on that situation yeah. for you know Harrison County. I think it'll be very beneficial. Very cool. And and so you're now the full owner of 1816, but it was owned by Southern Hospitality Restaurant Group. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And and how did you end up there? Well, so how all that started was I when I was a chef at the Exchange. Uh, I heard about this new concept called Mesa and actually the owner Ian Hall just like literally pulled me out uh, middle shift and was like, <laughs> we're going over to Havana blues to do this photo shoot and talk about this new concept. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> and that's where I met Yisa and Bobby Bass. And at first I was like, well, this sounds cool, but like, I, we'll see how it goes. Um, but, um, I met them and I did some events there and, uh, I fell in love with the talking to people, you know, being mm-hmm. out there, you know, usually chefs are in the kitchen, yeah. uh, not much communication between customer and chef. So this was, you know, you're, this is like the chef's time to shine. And, um, one day, uh, you know, I got in pretty good with Bobby and Issa Bass, um, and started doing a lot of events with them. And, uh, one day he invited me to his church, said they were having a chili cook off. And I noticed that the, the location that we're in was empty again. It was just sitting there vacant. And uh, 
I knew that, you know, there had been restaurants here and I, I knew all the stories of every person and everything. <laughs> and, Quite uh, a colorful uh, string of stories there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> colorful string of stories. Uh, so I was like, I, t- I we were going to church and driving there and I'm like, hey, Bobby, you know, like, you know, this place is empty. I know you're in real estate. Uh, it's the building's for sale. Uh, I know I can do a restaurant there. I know that there's a need and we can mm-hmm. do something. And I already have the concept. I'd already actually applied to the uh, small business bureau for mm-hmm. uh, three, two times before that one being by myself. And they were like, sorry, you have no capital, no credit, which I know uh, I had horrible credit and still kind of working on it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, they were like, yeah, sorry, sorry, you know, two times. And then, um, and so I brought it to him, the loan paperwork and, you know, the concept 1816, it speaks to the town. It, you know, it's when Indiana was, became a state. It's when Corridan became the capital. I think people will love this. And I think that's what's been missing since Jocko's was that community pride. Every mm-hmm. place that's gone in there, it wasn't really like, you didn't feel like it was a part of the community. No. Um, so that's, that's the first and foremost front that I've presented and what I wanted this place to be. And uh, he was like, oh, you know, I'll think about it. And yeah. then he looked into the real estate and him and his wife looked into the real estate and they were like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, so, yeah, we started that project and, you know, we had our agreement of like, at first it was just an agreement of, I got get my 20% sweat equity after uh, two years. And then after five years, I could buy the full percentage. Um, but, you know, unfortunately they, they took on another project that unfortunately didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So they needed to cash out a little bit. So this, that process got a little bit more sped up than I, than I, uh, we all anticipated, mm-hmm. but it's nice to be finally, you know, yeah. the full owner and um, for this to be actually not just a dream in my mind over the past couple of years, but actually a realization. Wonderful. Now, has anything changed in your mind now that you're full owner? Is there new things that you're, you're going to try out or, or change or are you going to kind of stick with with what's going on right now? Uh, no, we, we looked to uh, start doing some private events upstairs. Uh, you know, right now we're just trying to sort out the loans and get those paid off. Uh, the loans I had to take in order to buy the perc- uh, percentages. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, and then also I have a newborn baby, uh, <laughs> little Wade. And uh, yeah. so we've been pretty busy and, you know, my That's friend, the house manager is actually my girlfriend. So like, oh, okay. So, so we're, uh, we've been pretty busy Working all the time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. When was your baby but born? He was born in September. Okay. Oh, new newbies. I, I, yeah. I just had my first baby or our firstborn uh, in January. Oh, so wow. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a new, new baby world now. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in toddler hell. I've got a three-year-old <laughs> and a five-year-old. <laughs> Well, we messed up because we have, uh, she has a 12 year old and I have a 13 year old. So well, it's like, they can help you though. Uh, sometimes you got fr- free babysitters. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. try to push them to do that, but you know, it's, you know, you know how yeah. teenagers are. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you something. Um, so I, I think your story is pretty amazing that you kind of, you, you, it's like an, a true underdog story. You started from the bottom, worked your way up and, you know, now you're, you own your, your own restaurant. Um, but then 
and I don't want to really like dive too deep into the COVID thing, but then COVID happens and how, how do you navigate that? I mean, you, a lot of restaurants had to shut down and all that, and you are still going strong. Um, and I, I just, I'm curious to know, you know, how, how that was for you and how you managed to make it out alive essentially. Cause I think we're pretty good now. I think everybody's going back to normal world, but how, how did that work out for you? Um, there's like, I would say there were so many emotions, but the, the, the biggest one was probably anger. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there was so much frustration and, and sadness that I had to let go of so much staff. But then what was really amazing was how many people came out and how like at first I let go of the, we let go of the whole front of house staff. My partners, oh. Bobby and them were like, we got to get rid of them. We can't, we can't do it. And I'm like, I understand. But then when we started doing the to-go orders, we were getting so many that mm-hmm. we couldn't, I mean, me as myself in the kitchen, I couldn't handle cooking the food and putting it in to-go boxes to give these people. So we had to bring some people back during that time. Mm-hmm. So we still had a couple of close loyal employees that benefited during COVID because they had to work a lot of hours because we, we didn't have yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. So, but that also meant that I had to work every day. Oh all the time, nonstop, you know, I'm sitting here looking at Facebook and all these people complaining about Uh, not being at work or being broke. Mm -hmm. I never had to deal with the broke part, which, you know, was one upside, but I also had to deal with never having any free time, never, you know, being able to, to, to step away from the restaurant. Yeah. So that was pretty challenging. And then once we opened back up, product mm-hmm. i can't get my, like back in, when i first started in the business distributors that brought your food to you if you weren't there before lunch then we're not accepting your order if you if this didn't look right we're not accepting it but right and we're in this world right now that like when they they just show up whenever they want and i have right. to take it like and i'm over here like when are they going to get here when are they going to get here yeah well, and, 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 you know, as far as getting, you know, your product, but also, you know, staffing, like, I can't imagine the challenge of trying to staff a restaurant right now. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the, the problem we're having right now with our staffing is it, it's not a big problem. We have bodies in the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that we don't we have a lack of hands uh, on uh on everything going it's just a lack of experience i, I yeah. pretty much hired nothing but i mean right when we first opened most of my staff was high school kids you know and then like parents started getting mad because their kids were working too late and then i had to let go of them or you know they they got sick at school from mm-hmm. contact and then couldn't come to work and so it was just like it was like just this up and down roller coaster mm-hmm. And I'm still kind of on it, but like everybody I have now is pretty good, but they're, Mm -hmm. again, they're, they're very young and inexperienced. So it's like, if I I can't step away too far. Yeah. You can't just, yeah. It's not like you can kind of let go mentally of the front of the house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That's, that's hard. It's really hard. Sometimes it's uh, like, I can appreciate new unexperienced because then you can train them the way you want them to know things. And sometimes you'll get someone who's experienced, but they're so used to doing things their own way. And so it's so hard to break them into what you want them to, you know? So it's like a little bit of both. 
I totally agree with that. I, that's actually one thing I've told staff members and talked with other chefs about is that when you get an older chef, they come in and you get, you get two different kinds of questions from, from if you're comparing new, new cooks to old chefs. And with the old chefs, they say, why do you do it this way? And there's almost like a pretentiousness to it. Like, mm-hmm. why are you doing it this way? Mm. With a new cook, it's like, why are you doing it this way? Because they want to learn how to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that is that problem with, uh, you know, new cooks. Uh, and I usually I have no problem teaching new cooks. I love it. It's actually one of my passions too, uh, to build knowledge because that's where I came from. But with the product and the staff shortages, that that all just kind of like combines and it makes it a little bit more complicated and it makes your patience a little shorter with those yeah. cooks that, that are trying to learn. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and, you know, cause you're, you're trying to compete with places like McDonald's and, and, you know, fast food restaurants that are offering so much more per hour now, but, but that's the reason to go work for you is because they're, you're working for someone that cares and is trying to teach you an art form you know, rather than just being an, another cog in a giant wheel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And th- yeah. that's what most of my young cooks uh, love about being there. You know, mm-hmm. they know that they could go work at O'Charlie's Cracker Barrel and make way more than I could ever pay them. Uh, but they're not going to gain anything out of that except for a bigger paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you just like a fun question, like, do you have any chefs that inspired you like like famous chefs that you really look up to or keep tabs on or uh i I bounce around uh Mm -hmm. every chef is a little different um and i i try not to go too much in because then they influence my style and 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 i want to be my own style but i also don't want to like be over here thinking i'm original making a (laughs) dish and then you know bobby flay's made it five years ago and you know um but i'd say a lot of my beginning influence was definitely bobby flay Mm -hmm. um mario batali is probably one of my favorite quotes he said if you think you're the smartest person in the kitchen you're the dumbest person in the kitchen (laughs) (laughs) yes i like that uh um but i've I've bounced around uh Mm -hmm. anthony bourdain is obviously a huge icon i've Mm -hmm. dabbled a little bit in him but some of his, some of his things that's happened in his life are a little bit too close to mine. So like, you know, I don't want to bring up bad memories of myself Mm -hmm. and, and, and keep my mind in a negative place. Cause that's one thing that's, uh, plagues the industry is negativity, drugs, alcohol, uh, Mm -hmm. that can keep you oppressed and make you really depressed and sad. And, and, and I, so I try to keep out of that mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you mentioned style, and I'm I'm curious. Not saying about, they're not great. But, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you mentioned style, and I was curious to know what your what 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 would you describe your style as? Well, I've, through the years, people have asked me that question, and I've said I usually say Southern. And one of my old uh, front of the house managers is actually Levi Donaldson, who owns Union now, who helped me open 1816. Uh, he corrected me in the middle of a. Uh, talking to a bunch of servers and said, no, your style is Asian. <laughs> uh, I would say, I wouldn't say I, I'm not very studied in Asian culture or their food or anything. I probably mess up on a lot of sayings that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I would just say me in general, my style is just bold. Yeah. I like bold. And, you know, when it comes mm-hmm. to Southern food and Asian food, there's a lot of boldness in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for a long time, I was really into Mediterranean, but that's a, that's a kind of a hit or miss style. Mm-hmm. You know, like people, mm-hmm. some people love it. Some people hate it. It's not, it's not an everyday thing. Like people aren't going to go eat that every single day. Right. Um, you right. know, when it comes to Asian and Southern, that's something that somebody can, can eat every single day and be, and be okay with it. You know? Yeah. What I, what I think that you do so well is, you know, as long as I've ever lived here, it's just an ongoing debate on if Corin can support like a cool restaurant or if it can't, or no one wants to eat that kind of food, you know, just talking down to the customer, basically everyone just oh, yeah. assuming that the community won't support it. A, a restaurant that's doing cool stuff. And I just think that your food is so um, it blends like it's accessible, but exciting. Yeah. You know? Well, and, yeah. Uh, to talk on that point. Uh, and I, I heard that from prior people that were here before, you know, uh, Harrison County people are Hicks. Don't, they don't know yeah. what they're, you know, good food. And I, I think that's incredibly the, like the most ignorant thing you could possibly, you know, yeah. think of, cause that's not true. There are mm-hmm. people want good food. They, they, they exactly. crave good food. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're going to have a couple bad apples. There's the problem with Harrison County is you got a lot of home cooks and this is mm-hmm. what I explained to home cooks to any home cook. Cause I've gone to a lot of people and eat, ate at their house and they're like, Oh, you're a chef. Like, what do you think of this food? And I'm like, is it free? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, and it's delicious. So, yeah. Yeah. With, with Harrison County, not, not having a lot of restaurants, mm-hmm. you know, privately owned restaurants, a lot of corporations, uh, a lot of people cook at home too here. Yeah. Uh, Cause they have their little farms and everything. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and what happens is they, they cook at home and people come there and they're like, you're really good at this. And, and then they're like, they're like, well, maybe I should open a restaurant. And those yeah. are the people that have opened and failed really quickly yeah. in this area because it's a total different beast. When yeah. you, when you're selling people food, mm-hmm. you're going to get, you're going to run in. You, I can take this restaurant, uproot it and take it to Indianapolis. I might have more sales than in Harrison County, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to have those same ignorant people that come in and are like, Oh, I could do this better or, mm-hmm. you know, or this is garbage or this isn't worth that much money. Yeah. You can't change hate. I mean, hate is in their, yeah. in their heart already. So yeah. like, <laughs> you know, and you, I assume uh, you have to have a pretty thick skin doing the yes, work. You, you do. do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, actually when we first opened 1816, Bobby and Yusa Bass had never been in a, in a restaurant before they'd never owned a restaurant. Oh my gosh. So, so she was handling a lot of the social media and the Google reviews. And she was like, she, you know, it almost was more frustrating to hear from her than it was from the mm-hmm. customer because she's like, what do we do? Like they did, they hated everything. And I'm like, so like, we're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing we did wrong. This, this person just can't be pleased. Yeah. They're just the, and, and we just need to move past it. You mm-hmm. go on, you go, if you look at reviews of a lot of restaurants, no restaurant is going to have a perfect five stars unless exactly. they just opened or mm-hmm. I don't know, like God's on their side or something. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I always learn. I learned that if uh, you have people hating on you when you know you're doing something good, then that That's means you're philosophy. doing something right. Exactly. Hey, you need That's- haters to know that you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah of course. Of course. Cause you know why the, the, mo- the main reason they're angry is that you're selling this food at this price and making this profit. Mm-hmm. And 
and they they want they want that you know yeah, like so exactly. like, that just makes them angry that they're not the person in that position instead of being mm-hmm. the person yeah. that's paying for it i would yeah. get that as, as an artist i would get that stuff all the time it's like well my kid can make that i'm like well then why isn't your kid make, <laughs> making it you know exactly exactly <laughs> then do it like just get up you know it, it's more work than you think but you know if, if yeah. your kid can do it do it well and i just think yeah. it's so important to have a strong point of view rather than trying to please everyone you just need to say okay this is what i'm gonna do and if you don't like it then you don't have to come Exactly. That's, that's, yeah. that's how I tell my staff and how I carry myself. I, I try every now and then I get too ignorant about it and I, you know, I'll, I'll shun a person out or mm-hmm. out of my head. And I think that's the wrong way to go about it, especially as a restaurant owner. Uh, one thing I've been ignorant about sometimes I am, I'm ignorant about sometimes, but I'm usually pretty good about is that just kill them with kindness, you know, mm-hmm. exactly. uh, somebody comes in yeah yeah somebody comes in and they're ripping something apart and you know for a fact that you didn't do anything wrong the dish is executed perfectly uh most there's a lot of chefs out there a lot of chefs that would just be like you know what f you like Mm -hmm. get out of my restaurant Mm -hmm. me i'm like you know what send them a dessert you know send them a dessert or comp it off you know like it hurts my revenue but you know what like maybe that might brighten their day. Maybe they'll walk out of here and they'll they'll look at life differently. And in Mm -hmm. the long run, it's only going to help you. Exactly. Exactly. Because if I change that angry person's heart just Mm by a piece of cheesecake that, you know, (laughs) didn't cost me much. uh, You'll definitely change my uh, mood if you give me some (laughs) free cheesecake. Exactly. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, well, we just want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, we wanted to have you on for a long time because I just think I'm just so grateful your restaurant exists and that it's such a, such a success. And I just think it really improves our community so much. You know, I, I appreciate that, but me more than y'all, I appreciate the community and the Mm -hmm. town and just the, the love I get from everybody. Oh, good. That's so good to hear as somebody who's, you know, not from the town originally, because I hear it a lot that people that move in here say it's not that welcoming a community. So that's good to hear. I don't think that's true. Yeah. I, that's I, I feel pretty, pretty welcomed when I came here four good. years ago. Good. Yeah. When I first actually came here, I thought everybody was, uh, I thought the person I was riding with just knew everybody. But yeah. then I, I quickly realized that just everybody was just waving because they were just really nice. <laughs> that, is, that is true. Everybody does wave all the time. So, yeah. so one last thing, Scott. So what do you have any exciting things coming up or any new uh, additions to the menu that you want to share with our guests? Well, we are, we are releasing our new menu uh, April 4th mm. uh, for the spring, summer, see how that goes. I know that we took away our fried green tomatoes, which a lot of people got mad about, but <laughs> we'll, we'll reintroduce them back in every now and then. But um, right now we're really trying to hone in on maybe getting some like uh, tasting parties upstairs or like there was this one party I did at the exchange a long time ago that I'd like to do again at 1816, where it's just basically a, like, it's almost like a Midwest crab boil but mm. with steak and beef and pork and you just put a wax paper on the table and you just dump all this meat on the table mm. and everybody goes in at it with no no forks no yeah. know, a, a bib around their shirt and yes. they go in <laughs> that sounds fantastic that sounds great yeah very barbarian yeah yeah 
Awesome. Yeah. I think it would be very, very successful in Harrison County. Is the fried broccoli stayed on the menu? That's the main question. Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, good. Actually, good. people might get mad, but that was the reason fried green tomatoes got pushed out. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I, I, that fried broccoli is incredible. I it's was so like, good. Every time I go now, I have to have it. Yeah. I, I agree. It's so, so, so good. Well, okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was nice meeting you, and I'm yeah. excited to have you in town. I'm happy to be here, and, uh, you know, if y'all ever want to do this again, let me know. Oh, well, you know, we might. We might. We could. You could come back seasonally and give us an update yeah, on what's new. On the menu and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Well, thank y'all. Y'all have a great day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you too. So recommendations, Uh, I can't say I have a lot of recommendations. I'm (sighs) still working through my books, the the Red Queen series, or Mm -hmm. no, is it the Red Queen? Yeah. Yeah, I guess Red Queen. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm blanking out on it. Yeah, I had to type it in the show notes, so yeah. (laughs) And then, uh, but I've been, have you heard of the, uh, the show Historic Materials? Yes. Which is, um, it's a, it's from a series written by Philip Pullman. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I it's classic or the golden compass. I'm sure people know the golden yeah. compass, mm-hmm. um, but I, I'm rewatching the HBO series. And I know that a lot of people might not be able to see it because you need HBO, but mm-hmm. um, it's, I don't know. It's again, one of those uh, types of shows that I'm really into the uh, sci-fi, like, kind of you know underdog overcoming yeah. something so yeah um, that's kind of what i what I've i been. never got into that series but i know it's classic i think the you know the the first movie was not great but yeah the like it, it kind of kept me from watching this show but once i saw the first time i was re- you know actually i will admit the only reason why i started watching it was because lin-manuel miranda's in it i mean <laughs> It all comes back to that. It's always Lynn. Damn I'm telling you, know, you, we need to practice for karaoke at the Alibi. You know, I was Lynn. about to say that. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I want to be known as the uh, Lynn Manol Miranda of Corden. Yeah, I want to go to the karaoke. Alibi. And we, not only is it only show tunes, but I think we should do only Lynn Manuel songs. Uh, I'll stick to that. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say I've been, I went with Amanda and it's, it's nice. It's a great dive bar, you know, like it's, it's a great, just no frills bar. And we need that in the community. Yeah. I think it's great. I'm, I'm very happy. It's there. Yeah. I haven't checked it out, checked it out yet, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a drinker, so I don't, I, I yeah. would probably just go to meet up with some friends, but I'm not. Yeah. But it sounds fun. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything really. I was going to give another plug for Jessica Yellen. I think I recommended her like on our second episode or something. Mm-hmm. Um, she's on Instagram and she's just, she delivers the news in a, in a way that's very palatable and informative. And I just think if you are somebody who wants to keep up with the news, but just kind of the overwhelm of New York times, Washington post, all these big newspapers, just the amount of information coming at you from a social media feed mm-hmm. overwhelms you. She gives you what you need to know, but it, it just in and out, like it's quick, it's nuanced. It's, it's really great. Um, and she is at Jessica Yellen, Y-E-L-L-I-N. 
Yeah, I definitely follow her and mm-hmm. I find her very informative. Yeah, it's like, it's stuff. just the facts. Like, it's just, this is what happened. This is what's happening. Um, yeah. It doesn't really tell you what to think about it or anything, but it's not one of those um, feeds or sites that's trying to be unbiased, you know? I don't mm-hmm. like those either. Those ones that are like, we give you the news from a totally unbiased and that's like their main shtick. I don't like that either. I just want you to tell me the facts and that's what she mm-hmm. does. And don't tell me that you're not giving me your opinion. Just don't give an opinion. <laughs> yeah, okay. Exactly. Okay. Um, and then the other thing is I, I read it like right before we started recording, but David Sedaris has a new essay in the New Yorker all about awesome. how, how the country is just, kind of in the toilet right now like the, the people of the country are just what not, else is new i know i know i mean that's what he always does but this is particularly funny um because he just kind of is ruminating on how everyone is acting really badly right now and there's been two articles recently one in the atlantic and then matt iglesias had a Substack article about this like uh like Accidents on the road, like road rage is through the roof. People are getting wow. arrested for unruly behavior in airports. Wow. Um, just the Will Smith thing, you know, that, that yeah, was kind of, that bothered like, me a lot. It's like, why didn't he get arrested on the spot? Like he assaulted another man. Yeah. Like it's just, it doesn't matter if you're a celebrity or not. Yeah. And so one of these articles, it's in the Atlantic, it says, why are people acting so weird? And that it came out a few days ago and Will Smith's incident was, you know, in there. And it's just kind of interesting. I feel like people are just acting really strangely. And David Sedaris, of course, has a hilarious way of talking about it. I can't wait. I'm going to definitely, that's going to be one. It's called, it's called lucky go happy. And it's in the, in the latest uh, issue. He has a new book coming out soon. Oh, I get it. Because it's backwards instead of happy, go lucky, yeah. it's lucky, go happy. Yeah. And he, he's just, he's so great. Yeah. I mean, he has, he's just he has a master class that I've been wanting to like. Check I have out. master class now. And I, yes, I should do that. I should take his. It's about I did, creative writing. Yes. I did the wine cool. one and I do not recommend it. Oh no. The guy, Why? the guy who does the wine one is in just insufferable. <laughs> I, I can't even with this guy. I watched the whole thing because I was so fascinated by him. But it didn't tell me anything about wine. <laughs> it's just like it mainly mm. was just like a meditation just on a, how weird this guy is. Snobby kind of yes. You know, I oh, wonder if wine oh. people are weird because you know I've heard that about wine people. The bubble this man lives in. It's like the size of my pinky nail. Oh, no. His name is James Suckling. Listeners okay. out there, I, yeah. I would be Beware. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been great. Yeah, this was a pretty good episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will be back in a couple of weeks. Yep. I All feel right. like these weeks are going by so fast. They're flying the by. Episode. And the next episode is just us talking about local news for a little while just a shorter rip so. yeah sounds good all, all right, right everybody well Bye. have a good weekend
Thank you so much for listening to the Blue Dot Podcast. This show is not possible without your support. If you would like more information on becoming a member, head over to blue.hc.com slash membership. Also, we want to hear from you. So if you feel like uh, shooting us an email uh, with your ideas, concerns, and other feedback, uh, email at blue.harrisoncounty at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at blue.harrisoncounty or leave us a voicemail at 502-653-9157. As always, we want to thank all our guests for joining us. And again, this project is not possible without your support. So thank you.